Now, the movie we're going to take just a brief look at today, and we've strung some clips together, is from a movie that in our family has taken over the number one spot as the number one Christmas movie. We've already watched it this year already, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. It is the movie Elf. Have you seen Elf? Who's seen Elf in here? All right, is there, who in here has not seen Elf? Shocking. Um, Okay, so if you have not seen Elf, then the clips we're going to watch together may be a little strange. <laughs> but if you've seen Elf, uh, you'll, 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 you'll like this. Elf is a great story, and if you haven't seen it, I'm just kind of joking around. You'll probably one of those movies, if you get the chance to, it'd be worth watching. But um, Elf is, is a movie that begins when Santa Claus visits an orphanage on Christmas Eve, and while Santa Claus is eating cookies that the children from the orphanage have left him, um, you have a little baby crawls out of his crib, and he climbs into Santa's bag of toys. So it's a true story, of course. And, and so <laughs> Santa goes back to the North Pole to discover that there was a baby that crawled in from the orphanage into his toy bag, and so what they decide to do is that the, the elves at the North Pole decide that they're going to raise this baby. They give him the name Buddy, and they give him to a guy named, known as Papa Elf, and Papa Elf raises Buddy. Well, when Buddy grows up into being an adult, um, he discovers he's not an elf, and, 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 and he learns that, uh, that his mother had died, and his father had no idea that he was ever born. And so what Buddy does is he goes on this journey to meet his father and to get to know him and to have this relationship with him. And, and of course, he sticks out like a sore thumb because he shows up in New York City dressed as an elf because he believes he's an elf and he's elf culture. That's what he knows. And so his pursuit to knowing and having this relationship with his dad and all that happens to him is just movie gold. Here, take a peek at some of these clips. Hello. Looks like a Christmas tree. <gasps> Sorry I can't ride with you the rest of the way up, but this is where my dad works. Well, have a good time. Oh, I forgot to give you a hug. Dad! <laughs> all right, uh, let's get it over with. I, I walked all day and night to find you. Uh, you look like you came from the North Pole. That's <laughs> exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. He did? So, go on. Go on with what? Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Um, I, I'm, I'm here with my dad, and we never met. And he wants me to sing him a song. <laughs> and um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. So I'm here now. 
I found you, Daddy. And guess what? I love you. I love you. I love you. I don't need those. Oh. Gotta really hurry up, Walter, because I'm double booked the rest of the afternoon. You're my sick. Yeah, but that's not what we're here. We're here to do a test. Come on. What kind of test? Just to test to find out if you're my son or not. Why am I sitting on paper? Because it's sanitary for the other patients. Now sit still so I can do the finger prick. <gasps> finger prick? Cold. Yeah. Just please sit still, please. Okay. Can I listen to your necklace? No, you can't. Can you just sit still? Why is there a skeleton? I don't know. What Walter? Could you please? Like could you please have him sit Does still so I can do this? No, he hasn't got a name. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Would waiting. you please sit still? Please. He got mad at me. Yes, he did. He did. The sooner you sit still, the sooner we can get this mess over. Okay. Then can we eat sugar plums? You bet you. We'll eat sugar okay. plums and gingerbread houses, okay. and we'll even paint eggs. Well, paint eggs. That's easier. finger has a heartbeat. So, will you be staying with us then? You mean I can stay? Of course you can. Emily. How, how long do you think you'll be with us? I, I hadn't really planned it out, but I was thinking like forever. <laughs> Dad? 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 What? What? I can't go to sleep unless I get tucked in. I am not gonna tuck you in. I, I promise I'll go right to sleep. First we'll make snow angels for two hours, and then we'll go ice skating, and then we'll eat a whole roll of Toll House cookie dough as fast as we can, and then, to finish, we'll snuggle. I've got to go to work, buddy. Oh, and, and the thing is... Okay, good. I, I'm going to hang up now. I love you. We'll call you in five minutes. No, no, but buddy, don't... Uh, you, you don't have to call me, okay? Good idea. You call me. Okay. I'm going to hang up now. I painted a picture of a butterfly. Good. I'm going to hang up now. I turned the piano. Okay, I love you. Bye. I love that movie. I can't get enough of that movie during the holidays. And, and like I said, if you haven't seen it, it would be worth your time. And hopefully those clips did not scare you away from wanting to watch this movie. But it, it, it's great. Uh, what I love about this movie is that it's just a story about Buddy the Elf and his relentless pursuit of knowing his dad. And that's all he really wanted for Christmas. If you boil it down, what he really wanted for Christmas was to know his dad and to have a great relationship with him. And as we transition into what we're talking about today, I wonder, I wonder, do we have that same kind of desire, that same kind of drive to have a meaningful relationship with our heavenly Father? You know, that's a question that I think every one of us in this room should um, ask and answer. And it's a question that, that only you can answer, and, and you would need to personalize the question. Do I have desire, do I have drive to have a personal relationship with my heavenly Father? And I would imagine that maybe for some of us in this room today, maybe that's not the question you're ready to even ask yet. 
Maybe the question is not, do I have drive and desire to have a great relationship with my Heavenly Father? Maybe your question is this, is it really possible to know God at all? Maybe that's the question you might be wrestling with, and maybe you have sat in church for a number of years, and you're still wondering that to this day. Do do I even know if it's possible to have that kind of relationship with God? You know, in our building right now, you're going to see a number of nativity sets around the building. There's one out in the atrium. There's another one down the hall towards a room called our living room. You can look in through the window and see it there. And the nativity set, by the way, how many of you have set up a nativity set in your house already? Yeah, quite a lot of us, us too. Um, But the nativity scene is probably, I would say it's probably the most or one of the most um, popular Christmas decorations, and it is a depiction of of Luke chapter 2. There you have Mary and Joseph, and they're looking down at the baby Jesus who's laying in in a manger, and it's usually set in a stable or a barn-like structure, and uh, there's barn animals around, and they're receiving their visitors, like the shepherds who are watching their fields by night, and they came to see the newborn king. It's it's a beautiful depiction of Luke chapter 2. But do you know what else I see when I look at the nativity, especially now that we've gone through our entire story series and what God has done? I look at the nativity and I can't help but see it as an illustration of God's desire to know each and every one of us. And when we see the baby Jesus lying there in the manger, that really is a visual reminder that God is reaching out to us and he went to great lengths for us. Lengths. Why? So that we could know each other. We could know all about him. To me, the nativity, and I hope you see this when you look at it, when you go home, this is God wanting to know me. That's what it is. And if God wants to know me, then doesn't it make sense that there is a way for me to really get to know him? I've got good news for you. Not only is there a way for us to get to know him, but we can get to know him really well. Uh, if you, let me show you one scripture here. Jeremiah chapter 9. Um, it's, it's, it's this powerful passage that tells us a lot about this. These are God's words spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23. It says this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me. I'm the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. There it is, right there in black and white from God's mouth himself. It is possible to know God. And not just to know him, but to be proud of it too. He says, if you want to boast about something in this world, boast about the fact that we know each other. Boast about the fact that that the world needs to know about this kind of relationship. You know, if you go over to the New Testament, that Jeremiah was in the Old Testament, now go over to the New Testament, we read in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying. And, And we have written down what Jesus prayed in that prayer. This was right before he goes to be arrested and goes to the cross. But he prays this prayer. He says, now this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is praying about this truth and, and his hope and his desire that we would know 
the Lord. Now, it's interesting, this word know in the Bible, not N-O, but K-N-O-W, it, it, it has deeper meaning than what we might get from English. What was Jesus really saying when he says to know you? Well, in the Bible, if we were to trace this word out and see how it's used in different places, I can tell you that Jesus is not praying that we would have some kind of uh, an acquaintance with the Lord or some kind of intellectual knowledge about him. Jesus is not praying that we would come to know the Lord like in a Bible trivia way. Well, we know a bunch of things about him, so on a game show, we could answer correctly. That's not what Jesus is praying for when he says that they may know you. For example, in the Bible, the verb know, it is used to describe the intimate union between a husband and a wife. So to know, that implies relationship. That implies a deep relationship that's more than trivia knowledge. This is something that goes much deeper, knowing on a deeper level. Here in John chapter 17, verse 3, he prays that we would know, not just understand facts, but that we would know God through a personal experience with him, that it would be deep, that it would be significant, that you can only gain that kind of knowledge through a personal relationship with God. That is what Jesus is praying for when he says that they know you and they, he connects eternal life with it and he connects knowledge of Jesus with that knowing. So everything about Christmas points us and shouts towards this truth that God wants to know you and it is absolutely possible for you to know him. So back to the original question, do I have drive? Do I have desire to know my heavenly Father and to have this meaningful relationship with him? Only you can answer that question. But it might uh, be one worth considering. In our movie Elf that we just watched, Elf tries and tries and tries and tries, and he jumps through all these hoops, and you get this feeling that in many parts of the movie, trying to get to know his dad is not going very well. It's very difficult. It's very hard on him to do this. Can I tell you something about our Heavenly Father? When we strive to know him, it's not difficult. It's not hard. In fact, the Bible tells us exactly how we get to know our Heavenly Father. It's laid out clearly in Scripture. And if you're here today and you're wondering, I don't know if I know the Lord. I don't know if, how to even start. The, where do I, what? Let me just point a few things out for you this morning. First of all, as I understand what the scripture tells us, um, I've come to this conclusion, this understanding, that it would be downright impossible for us to get to know our Heavenly Father the ways that we're describing all on our own. That would be an impossible thing. The Bible says this about us, that we are all sinners. Every last one of us in here, me, you, uh, everybody who's ever lived, everyone who will ever live on this earth, the only person who's never sinned was Jesus, that we're all sinners. And the Bible says all of us have fallen short of what God's standard is for our lives. We all are broken. We're all messed up by sin. The Bible goes on to tell us that there are consequences to our sinful behavior. And the supreme consequence would be the fact that that death is involved. The consequences of sin is, is death. And unless we repent of our sins and accept God's gift of salvation through our faith in Jesus Christ, 
we will perish eternally. That's what the Bible tells us. And so what does it take to really get to know God? Well, first of all, you've got to have more than a Bible trivia knowledge of him. You have to receive him. If you're taking notes today, that'd be the first thing. How do I get to know God? First thing is you have to receive him. Now, now let me kind of talk about this and with some scripture to kind of show you what, what I mean by that. It says in John chapter 1, verse 11, John was one of Jesus' disciples, and he wrote this about Jesus. He says, he came, Jesus came to, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There is this essential piece of the puzzle when it comes to getting to know God. You have to receive him. And who are the receivers? They are those who have believed. That's what it says. Yet to all who did receive, to those who believed in his name. Their receiving comes with believing. Or we say comes with, with faith. Nothing is of greater importance than understanding this truth when it comes to knowing our heavenly father. And Jesus himself made it clear what it takes to get to God and what it takes to get to know him. It was Jesus who said in John 14, 6, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the key to knowing God. And so to know your heavenly Father, you have to receive him. Receive him by faith in Jesus Christ. Or a better, maybe it would help you understand, be uh, easier if you say receive him through believing. What do we believe? That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Three days later rose to life. That the Lord did this all for us. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So here's a question. Why do I have to receive him by faith before I can really get to know him? Why do I got to receive him first? Why is everything else before receiving him like Bible trivia? Just, not, just facts about God. Here's why. Because sin is in the way of receiving him. you got to fix a sin. One of the things that we talked a lot about during our story series this year, we went through the whole Bible, is the problem of sin. And to what lengths God went to fix that sin. Ultimately, Jesus going to the cross to shed his blood for us so we can have the forgiveness of our sins. Sins prevents us from knowing our Heavenly Father. That's what it does. That's why we've got to go through Jesus to know God, and, and, and Jesus took care of that. So we have to receive him by believing, fixing the sin problem. John speaks about this some more in another letter, the same disciple, in the book of 1 John chapter 4. He tries to explain uh, about those who know God and those who don't know God and, and what the difference is there. He says there in verse 7 of chapter 4, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. For everyone who loves has been born of God and what? Knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. What John is acknowledging here in his writing is that those who truly know God, even the ability to know God, they have, those are the ones who have already identified by faith through Jesus Christ. It's the path to really knowing him because, because knowing him produces this love in our hearts. He goes on to say in the very next verse, this is how God showed his love among us. 
He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, once we receive him through faith in Jesus Christ, the next step to knowing God and knowing him in this related, this personal way is to begin a journey, a specific, intentional journey of, of knowing God in, his, in a personal way. Why can we do this now? Because our sins have been forgiven. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are a part of God's family now. Sin is not in the way of us building this relationship with our Heavenly Father. So, once we receive Him, then, number two, if you're taking notes, we begin the journey of knowing God in a very personal way. One of the key ingredients in in this journey is understanding that the Bible is God's Word. It's, It's God's revelation to us. It's His Word that tells us what God is like and what God desires and how much God has done for us, and what his will is, and what his promises are. I heard somebody say it like this one time. The Bible is essentially uh, a love letter written to us from God who created us to know him intimately. Um, What better way to journey with God and, and, and to really get to know him than to immerse ourselves in his word? Revealed to us for the very reason of getting to know him. Um, And it's important to continue this process throughout our entire lifetime. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. Timothy was a young church leader. And in the book of 2 Timothy, which is also in the New Testament, Paul tells him this. Hey, Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those whom you have learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why did we spend 31 weeks of our lives learning God's Word? Why did we do that as a church family. Well, I could rattle off a lot of reasons, but can I tell you at the heart of it, it was so that we could pursue a deeper walk with God through growing in your knowledge of God. And I'm wondering, those of you who went through the story with us at any point, whether you came in week one, week 10, week 30, whatever, as you began to dive into God's word, was that your experience? A a, a deeper Walk a deeper knowledge, gaining a a, a better walk. But was that your experience going through the story? Now, I know because I've had a lot of conversations with many of you, I would hear you say things like this during our story series. I have never read the Bible like this before. I had no idea that God's Word said that. I have never just read the Bible. I have never studied. You know what God is showing me? You know what God's doing in my life? These were the kind of conversations. Why are we having those kinds of conversations? Because when you immerse yourself into God's Word, after receiving Him, you are getting to know Him on levels you never knew before. And He's showing things to you. 
And you're growing and you're pursuing this, this deeper walk with him that comes through you're gaining your knowledge of him. If, if we were to look at something else that one of Jesus' disciples said, these were people who knew Jesus the best. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, he in his writings talks about this, about um, why we need to pursue knowing God and, and what we gain from, from knowing the Lord and how we gain that knowledge um, and how the Lord will equip us through a growing knowledge of him. He says this in 2 Peter verses one, or chapter 1, verse 3. He says, His divine power, he's talking about God, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. Now, isn't that interesting? Peter is saying we are divinely equipped. That's a fancy way of saying God will give us His strength. This is not a strength that comes from us. This is a divine strength. This is something that comes from God for us. And God will give us his strength for everything that we need in life to live a holy life. God gives us what we need to become what he desires from us. How in the world do we become divinely equipped? How do we get God's strength to live out these days? I don't know about you. I need some God's strength to get through some of the challenges in my life. How do we get this? Through our knowledge of him. That's what Peter, getting to know him better and better. So what Peter is getting to with all this, if you read his whole letter, is that the more we know this, the more we know him. The more we know this, the more we are better equipped. The more we are equipped to live a holy life. Peter goes on to say this in verse 5 of the same chapter. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from becoming, from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this passage and others in the New Testament we could look at affirms this powerful truth to me of just how badly we need to pursue God in our knowledge of him and in our holiness. And not just to pursue it initially, like when we first became Christians. Like when you first become a Christian, weren't you all passionate on fire for the Lord? And then a lot of our stories could say, well, then it kind of leveled out somewhere. It's not like pursue him initially, learn everything you can, say, okay, good, I've got all my learning out of the way. No, but to pursue this relationship through knowledge of him in what Peter says, an increasing measure through the course of your life. So Peter is just getting down to brass tacks here. The more we invest in here, the more we get to know him, the more we are divinely equipped to live out this life, and these things come at us in an increasing way. Through the course of our lifetime. So, yeah, it's possible to know God. And it's possible to know him in an incredible way. And it has an, it tremendous benefits for your life through this relationship. So first of all, we receive him. And then we intentionally begin this journey with God in a very personal way. That's marked through immersing ourselves in his word. 
And I'll tell you, the more you fill up with this, when you go to your knees in prayer, you know he's listening. You know he hears. And you'll see what he's doing even more clearly. I heard it said like this one time. It says, when this book is open, God speaks to you. And when this book is closed, God still speaks. You just can't hear him as well. And so, yes, this is the key right here. This is why we spent 31 weeks, and we hope that it would start a lifetime of journeying with God through his word. So we receive him, and we begin this journey. And finally, the third step to really knowing God is having this inside of you, this all-out commitment to simply obey what you read. Obey. You know, isn't that true? Because after all, didn't the scriptures tell us that we were created to do good works? In other words, there should be some fruit that comes from our lives and living a life of faith. You know, God's been in the plan from day one of revealing himself to the world. When we saw in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel, it was always God's desire to raise up a people that would be an example to the rest of the world. And the rest of the world would see these people and say, we want what they got. That's still God's desire, but now it's through the church. And so he's raising up a family of believers who have received him through faith, who are getting to know him and journeying with him to do good works and to reveal to the world what God wants them to see. We carry a tremendous responsibility to live out our faith. The Bible says that when we become believers, we are become what? The salt of the earth, adding the flavor of God to this place. We are uh, a light that cannot be hidden, like that light on a hill, shedding God's light to the world. That's what we are. It's a dark place. We bring God's light to it. So we must read, understand God's word, get to know him, obey him faithfully. Um, I think much of it culminates with what Jesus said when he at, when was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God and love your neighbor. Let me boil it all down to that. But it would be impossible to do that outside of a deep, personal, meaningful relationship with your creator. So we come back to the question we started with, the reason why we showed that silly clips of Elf. Do I have drive? Do I have desire to have a meaningful relationship with my heavenly father or am I content to sit in church for the rest of my life and that's it? Only you can answer that. But here's what I can tell you with absolute certainty. Is that God has drive and desire to have a meaningful relationship with you. You know, one thing that's sad about the movie Elf is that the entire the entire movie, Buddy the Elf has one-way drive. He wants it, but his dad doesn't. It's not until the end of the movie, spoiler alert, that his father comes around and wants the same thing from his son, with his son. But can I tell you about something about God? He wants it as bad as you do. A few years ago, my wife and I were flying um, to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't remember now where we started in the country, but the flight stopped over in St. Louis. It was really late at night, and we had a layover. 
And it's the only time in my life that I could tell you that I was in an airport and I could not find another soul. It was just my wife and I. And like you look down these long walkways and there wasn't anybody. It was like midnight. It was super late. And, and, and we couldn't find anybody. And, and it was kind of a weird, weird thing. And so um, before too long, somebody comes walking in. And have you ever seen somebody from a distance and you're like, I know him. I know who that guy is. This guy walked in. He's pretty good shape. Um, he had bleach white blondish hair, and it kind of took the shape of a mullet. And so he was very distinctive looking. And I'm like, I know who that is. And, and I leaned over to my wife, and I said, you know who that is? She's like, I don't know. I said, that's a famous pro wrestler. That's Ric Flair. That's Ric Flair. Who knows who Ric Flair is? All right, everybody from my generation who grew up watching WWF wrestling, yes, it was Ric Flair, the nature boy. And I, I wasn't like a huge fan, but I knew who Ric Flair was. And I, and I, and, and I did something that, um, that uh, is out of my nature. It's out of my character. I wanted to go talk to him. I wanted to meet him. And I thought, there's only like us in here, so now's a good time. And so, and my wife can tell you, this is not like me normally. So, so I walk over and, 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 and I, I kid you not, I said, um, excuse me, Mr. Flair. <laughs> yeah, this is what came out of my mouth. And, and I wanted to shake his hand. And when I went to do that, he looked at me and he said, now's not a good time. And he did this. And I was like, oh, now's not... Now's not a good, when would there be a better time? There was nobody around. And I felt defeated. I felt like, oh. And I, I went and sat down with my wife, and she goes, how'd it go? And I, now's not a good time. That's what, <laughs> now's not a good time. And I remember being, like, bothered by that. You know, when we reach out to get to know God, it's always a good time. It's always a good time. The Lord will never turn his back on you and say, it's not a good time. That will never happen. So my question for you, do you have drive? Do you have desire to get to know and to have this meaningful relationship with your heavenly father? Have you received him? Have you started this journey with him? Are you obeying his word? It's always a good time. He'll never turn his back on you. He will always be with you. He wants it just as bad as you. You know, I, I ran into Ric Flair again a few years later, um, and it was a totally different experience in all fairness to you. And, um, and actually, there was a cameraman there who, took a, who actually captured the moment. And here's the picture right here. There it is. Um, I didn't know they were filming. And um, some of you have wondered, what's Joe look like with his shirt off? There you go. That's it. <laughs> That was a few years ago, but uh, all right, you can take that off of there. Just, let me tell you, do you have drive, desire to know your Heavenly Father? He's got it with you, and He will never, ever tell you, now's not a good time. Pray with me, would you, dear?